Podcast, where we take a look at the latest movie news, the films of today and yesterday, and put them all into some sort of context. You, you see it across the mic. <laughs> I can't keep this going. No, From no, me, no, his no. film up online editor in chief, Rich Dreams. Oh, I tried. It was ho- it was hilarious. Seated across the microphone from me is Film Buff Online contributing editor Natasha Bogutsky, who started off this podcast by telling me she wanted to be a little goofy. I didn't know you were actually going to do a goofy impersonation. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Oh, jeez. I just this went is, straight into whatever impersonation um, I thought no. I could pull off. <laughs> Okay. Well, hi guys, welcome back to the show. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that, boy, sorry, it never ends. Um. Anyways, so how is uh how was your week? It's been a good week for the actors. Yeah, it has. (laughs) (laughs) No, the SAG strike ended uh, finally this Mm -hmm. week. I was actually sitting at home. I think it was. Monday night? No, Wednesday night? Yes. (laughs) I had to think about it in terms of my plans for the past week and what it coincided with. Uh, So Wednesday night, and I saw the the release actually on Instagram that the – it was going to be ending at midnight, and I think Mm -hmm. I immediately sent it to you. That was what, 7 o'clock? Somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah. I know um, on Friday I watched the live stream of – the SAG president, uh, Fran Drescher, delivering her speech about everything. It was a fantastic speech. Um, took a few questions, too. I wanted to say that. I didn't get a chance. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's probably still on the SAG YouTube probably, channel. Probably, yeah. Uh, but, you know, overall, they got, like, more than a billion dollars in uh, wages over the next three months – or three years, excuse me. And that's also benefit plan uh, contributions, which is great. Some new uh, formulations for streaming shows – uh, that are very successful that will help actors participate in that instead of like regular res- re- residuals. Ugh. I'm having a tough time with the mouth today. Um, you want some of those? No, thank you. <laughs> That'll just that scotch will just make it worse. There's a uh, some immediate increases in uh, the base SAG after minimums for actors, which is fantastic as well. Um, I'm very excited. We have friends who are in SAG. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for them. They can get back to work. I know they're, they've they been itching to get back to work. I'm itching to get back to work. Well, you're not even SAG, but I mean. No one needs to know that. <laughs> as long as they pay you at those rates and not. <laughs> exactly. And not on a waiver contract. <sighs> I want to be SAG. I'm working on being SAG. It's going to take a while. Mm-hmm. So you'll get there. I have I faith. Hope so. I have faith, but that's we very exciting. Um, I think it was the third longest or the second longest actor strike in in history of the union. Uh, I start thinking back to long before the strike, probably about a year or two ago. Uh, some actors were making complaints about how they weren't receiving their residuals from their TV shows because streaming services and yeah, there's different formulations there. Yeah, and it was cutting a lot of the actors out of getting extra, getting the rest of the pay on the back end. Uh, one of them was Sydney Sweeney. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was, was a, a that was a big thing. I remember back yeah. in the spring, 
and people were like, she's on a big successful show. Why is she complaining? Well, if you're on a big successful show, you should be sharing in that success. And she couldn't. She couldn't even take any time off because she couldn't afford to live in L.A. Yeah. And uh, she actually did a breakdown of her expenses um, and how the show had not been able to cover them mm-hmm. like how much she had to pay her at her um, her agent, her publicist, this one, that one. Uh, and the reason why she was taking so many brand deals, which is no different than should I say like an Instagram content creator is just because she was trying to scrape together whatever extra money that she yeah. could because euphoria wasn't covering even enough for her house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people forget, you know, you hear an actor make so much per movie, but, you know, a percentage of that goes to their management, percentage of that goes to their agent, a percentage of that goes to their publicist. Their team. Uh, uh, yeah, and then the rest of their and team. And unfortunately, and they have to have a team. And taxes. It, yeah, it's... The only so, person I know of that doesn't have a team or doesn't have an agent is Bill Murray. <laughs> and at this point, I was going to say he doesn't really need one. But he really should have one at this point. Yeah. Given the it's, if you can climate. somehow manage to get a script to him, he may read it. That's how <laughs> that's how you get Bill Murray in your movie. Um, or unless you or have call his, a friend. Yeah. Call unless a friend. you have a fo- uh, friend who has his phone number. Yeah. Or if you're like my older brother and you just see him walking around Martha's Vineyard this like this past summer. Uh, you which, were so jealous. Oh, yes. <laughs> you would have creamed yourself. I don't um, um I don't know what I would have done in that situation. I mean, I Look. probably if if he was walking by us, I wouldn't like oh my god, there's Bill Murray over there and like dashed over. I probably would have tried to play it cool and if he like kind of was like walking towards us or something like that or we were sitting somewhere and he was walking by, I probably would have said, you know, something along the lines of, "Hey, thanks for all the laughs." You know, cuz Okay, okay. I'm oh, going to call you, you a hypocrite right now. You're calling me out because of Barnes and Noble in New York City. At no, Union I'm Square? calling you out oh, okay. because of Dennis from uh, the sh- <laughs> <laughs> the Goes oh, Wrong show on the freaking different. street in New York. No, it's not. Who immediately what? What, years ago did the exact same thing and chased down Billy Connolly. I did not season. chase down Billy Connolly. I walked by him. I heard him say something to his friend, and I heard the, the Scotch accent, and I p- turned right around. I was like three steps away from him. And I turned right around, and I said, oh, my gosh, Billy Connolly? And he's like, yeah. And only because I had watched Fido like two nights before with my friends on our movie night. And I really wanted to just say, hey, my friends just watched Fido the other night, and we loved it. And of course he was, oh, the great little fucker movie, isn't it? And and we had a chat. It's not like I saw him across the street, you know, and jumped over the hood of a taxi cab like I was in Starsky and Hutch to get to him. He wasn't that far ahead of us. He was literally right in front of us. Well, well, yeah. um, The Dennis from Mischief Theater and the uh, Goes Wrong Show. True. Uh, I thought you were going to say something else. And that's a story for another time. I've told you about the time when Isaac Hayes w- walked by me and a group of friends as we were just standing there. We didn't say anything. We just nodded. He nodded back because Isaac Hayes just needs to nod because he's so cool. He's just like, yes, I am Isaac Hayes. And that's what his nod says. <laughs> that's okay. Our friend Brandon will forever <laughs> carry in his heart that he said his favorite joke 
from the Goes Wrong show, which was Cab. <laughs> and this guy turned around and smiled at us. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And that is all we ever got. And it was more than enough for him. I know. It's weird that outside of what we do when we're interviewing people, and yeah. we're going to have an interview coming up, too. Um, so stick around, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, this is exciting because we haven't, we haven't had anybody as a guest on in forever. Mm. And I feel bad about that. Oh. So I was like, you know what? There's a good reason to reach out to somebody I know to get them on the show, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But outside of like the people we do interviews with at like film festivals and things like that, it's weird that sometimes we develop these parasocial familiarity with certain celebrities whose work we like and enjoy and that we're fans of. I mean, if I'm talking about a Jackie Chan movie, I'll be like, oh, and then Jackie did this, Jackie did that. And it almost sounds like I was there. <laughs> or and you've said it too in in relationship to certain uh actors and you just kind of refer to them by their first name it, um, in, in, i mean i'm trying to think of which it's, ones it's not like i'm Eva? saying it yes <laughs> russell yes uh, <laughs> it's not like we should say well ms green or jody? mr chan then did this in the film but usually when i say jody it's comer and not whitaker yes but Although it can be gonna, Whitaker. That's gonna that's gonna change at the end of the month a little bit, I think, uh, as we get to Doctor Who in uh, the sixtieth. But we also but, have the bike riders coming up. That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. So so it's always kind of I always feel like a little weird, like when you actually see a celeb in the wild, that you're like, I'm so familiar with their work. You know, what's what's the appropriate level I should approach? How should I approach? Um True. Yeah. And I mean like I said, I'm lucky enough to, you know, consider a few people who are actors and directors and such as, you know, people I'm acquainted with, on good terms with, friendly with. Um, oh, stop. <laughs> no, beyond you. Um, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, that kind of helps me, I think, be a little cool. Although, like, you know, I almost lost my shit the time I met Mark Hamill. <laughs> At a stage door after a play he was in. Well, yeah, it's Mark Hamill. <laughs> <laughs> and as I said, I was very surprised because, to my mind, he was always, you know, 20 feet tall because that's how tall that movie screen is. And when I realized he was pretty much my height, that was like, that's really weird. And then my second thought was, wait a minute. That means, according to transitive properties... I'm too short to be a stormtrooper. So, <laughs> so there you go. Yes, you are. Oh, thank you. You're uh, welcome. But, uh, but there's lots of uh, fun, great stuff coming up. Just as we were sitting down to record, um, I found out uh, they announced that uh, James Cameron's The Abyss is coming out uh, for a one-night screening on December 6th, 4K restoration. This is a movie that has been missing pretty much, I think, on Blu-ray, or a decent version of it on Blu-ray. And everybody's been like, when is this coming out on home video again? I know my DVD is kind of dusty, and it looks okay, but I'm sure this movie looks a lot better. Bitch, please. I haven't seen it (laughs) since it was on VHS. Oof. Oof. (laughs) So I'm excited about that, so. Just like I am about the 8th of December. That's right. On the 8th of December, at your local Regal or Cinemark, check Fandango to see where it's playing in your area. Um, There is going to be a 20th anniversary one-night-only screening 
of the modern Christmas classic, Love Actually. And the that week, are, we can project this far ahead at least. Yes. Uh, this uh, The episode of the Big Picture Podcast that drops that week will be all about love, actually. To, to excite people into going out to see it at the theater. And one um, of the questions I want you to carry with you, mm-hmm. as uh, you're also doing a Christmas uh, curated run of films over. for our friend uh, over at Generation Movie. Yep. Was 2003 the last great year for holiday movies? In that year, we had Elf, Love Actually, and Polar Express come out all at once. And I don't think we've had a year like that since. Um, I don't think so. Um, so keep that yeah, in mind, that, and we'll I would revisit that. have to that. go back and take a look at you know Christmas yeah. releases over the years, but I think you might be right on that. And you might have to watch Polar Express again. Oh, boy. I, uh, I, I just didn't like Polar Express. I thought the, the animation was not quite there. There was an Uncanny Valley thing happening, especially with the eyes on a lot of those characters. It was the same problem that was also in um, Honey, you uh, don't... Beowulf. Yes, and I would agree with that. So, I mean, I really... You don't really watch it for the animation. You watch it for the spectacle, but you watch it mostly for the music. Yeah, I, okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> um, and I appreciate... And that amazing train-off-the-rails sequence. That scene still freaks me out, by the way. Yeah, that was well stayed. This is Robert uh, Zemeckis here when he was really fiddling around with that motion capture technology. And I appreciate that he wanted to go out and experiment. And I appreciate that he got some studios to fund him for it, too. I'm not quite sure the results are everything he wanted. I think it's kind of a mixed bag. I think the story is better than the animation. Yeah. And I think, um, though, that these films are very important in the overall arc of the development of that kind of technology as well. Agreed. Okay. Um, in terms of, I would even say in terms of the idea of holiday films from the genre, I, I look at everything that comes out now on streaming mm-hmm. in terms of holiday films, they all reek of Hallmark Lifetime. <laughs> so when I pull up on Amazon or on Netflix and I write just Christmas movies. Yeah, I'll get like two or three major hits and then the rest of it is just junk. Mm-hmm. Like, give me something with some... I, I want some meat to it. Yeah, that's I still want to come out of it feeling good. Um, guys, I highly recommend... It's not exactly considered a Christmas movie, but it can be considered a Christmas okay. movie if you really, really watch it. I mean, for God's sake, the movie's called The Holiday. <laughs> Great film. Jude Law, Cameron Diaz, uh, Kate Winslet, Jack Black, mm-hmm. e- Eli Wallach. It's Jack Black doing a dramatic performance that I like. really good. That I really like. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll grant you that. Um, Directed by Nancy we, Myers. I mean, we've talked about Jack Black a hundred times on this show. Yeah. Uh, whereas, you know, sometimes he's good and sometimes... He needs a director to haul him in. And this is where he's really good. Mm-hmm. Him and Kate Winslet have a similar um, chemistry that kind of reminds me, but a lighter version of when she worked with Jim Carrey in Eternal Sunshine. You have a actor who's primarily 
a comic mm -hmm. actor, and then you have an actress who is primarily dramatic. Cross them and see where they land in the middle. It's fantastic. It, yeah, it is. I it's it's a vastly underrated film. I would you know, definitely grant you that. So, um, guys, if you're looking for a Christmas movie <laughs> that you've never seen before, check that one out. Mm -hmm. And one other thing I wanted to bring up that I saw was coming in December, and it's to the Criterion Channel. Ooh, tell me. Josie and the Pussycats. Really? Yep. I just saw that like two minutes before you walked in here, and I like immediately jotted it down on uh, my notepad. <laughs> okay, <was> like... <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, that one's a fun movie. Share it with your kids. Share it with your mm -hmm. teens. Yes. Um, Y2K is coming back. Particularly your daughters are going to be all about it. They're going to be going, where can I get that fashionable clothing? <laughs> I you know think I'm it's right. I think yeah, true. I think it's fantastic um satire on MTV, mm -hmm. product placement, the state of pop music at the time. It's just hilarious. You're you're goofing on boy bands um which is actually starting to come back as well as uh Trolls uh -huh. was it Band Together? Yeah. Uh comes <laughs> out this week. Mm -hmm. At, they're absolutely I in the trailer riffing on um, Backstreet Boys, mm -hmm. NSYNC is returning to actually do new music for the film. Uh, they they joke around about a, a couple uh, of other things, too. I have to check because One I direction. think my favorite t-shirt manufacturer... Uh, I know they, Yeah. They did a run of um, Josie and the Pussycat shirts a while back. I can't remember if I got one or not. Uh -oh. they, they had a whole... Ro -ro. Yes, they had a whole <laughs> bunch of different styles, including, like, du jour... The, which is the boy band, <laughs> but done in like the Metallica font, which was Dude. really cool. <laughs> and um, is there anything else though that you're looking forward to between Thanksgiving and the New Year? We've it's apart from Doctor Who. Of, apart from Doctor Who, yes, we're gonna definitely talk Napoleon. about uh, Doctor Who. Napoleon is coming out Thanksgiving weekend. I know you're gonna see Saltburn this week. Yeah, I, I'm seeing five movies in three days, all Holy Oscar contenders. Holy shit! Yes. It's my screening schedule is now insane. I'm seeing Saltburn. I'm seeing um, uh, I can't remember what my Wednesday night is. And then Thursday, I have three movies, and I don't think I can even talk. I I don't think I can even publicly mention which what some of them are. Um, well, they're not on your list here, so uh, on for Wednesday, two of them are. Um, oh, two. Of you. Yeah, I don't, oh, I see the other two. Yeah, for... I don't have the one in the middle there. You didn't go to the one night. Oh, because we have this wonderful interview coming yeah, up. Yeah, we have the interview, and then I have... Um, tonight's film is so damn good from what I'm hearing. Same here, but that's going to be out uh, in about a week and a half. So that I'm not concerned mm -hmm. about getting to too early. So a lot of the other stuff is December releases that I'm going to need to see before uh, the end of the month for Philadelphia Film Critics Circle voting. Damn. Yeah. But guys, it's... stay with us because we've got some stuff coming your way according to the schedule. Holy yeah. shit. Lots, lots of great stuff. I'm super jealous of Thursdays. The 10 a.m. screening? You. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I figured yeah. as much. Yeah. Um, I told you, though. I know. I know. I know. I've, believe me, if you could come along on that one, I would tell you to take the day off and drive down and meet me. Because I'm actually staying overnight nearby at my brother's. At my brother's. <laughs> I'm finally no, taking um, him up because here's the thing. I'm not going to get into it. I just <laughs> I just hate like because when I'm doing movie trips on like that for screenings and stuff, it's a lot of that. And I don't have a lot of time to be social with family. So I 
don't want them to feel like I'm just treating their their hospitality like it's a hotel. No, I understand. So. Um, I'm actually Wednesday night. I'm going to be in Easton myself um, for something that does not include this podcast, but <laughs> does include filmmaking. Yes. Uh, Easton, well, we've talked about our filmmaking journey a little bit here yeah. before. Easton, Pennsylvania has a great filmmaking community, um, actors, directors, mm-hmm. writers, special effects we actually have a wonderful sfx artist coming into lecture on uh on wednesday night mm-hmm. and it, it's a great it's a great time for people to get together and network and and find out who is out there so that's where i'll be i know i know you'll be repping our uh, filmmaking arm so thank you for that i appreciate you, the you've work done you do. so much over the past couple of years i thought it was my turn to kind of Aww. step up and do some work oh thank you while you're off working for film buff online yes it's it's all movies it's all good it's all fun it's move it's all movies all the time yes that should be our our tagline <laughs> our, our motto whatever you want to call it all movies all the time which is why which is why I have butter, no life. <laughs> butter flavored, butter flavored syrup pour, that they pour onto popcorn pulses through our veins. Ew. Okay, that was a terrible idea. I'll take the wine from the concession stand. I know you will. <laughs> um, now I think though, um, it's time uh, to kind of it's move time. over to reveal, I guess, uh, who our uh, guest is. Um, I know it is, but <laughs> you guys don't. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Well, how about I just throw to the interview? Let me find the right sound clip to play uh, to take us into the interview. And away we go. See you on the flip side. My guest joining us right now is an award-winning filmmaker. Uh, but you probably know him better as one of the writer-producers on Mystery Science Theater 3000, as well as the host of so many of the uh, live MST3K offerings that they have on the Gizmoplex. Please welcome Matt McGinnis. Hey, Matt. Thank you. Thank you so much. What a what an amazing... I've never been called an award-winning filmmaker before, but you, you're not wrong. You, you won the very first shorty. I was there. <laughs> I did, yeah, 2007. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I probably have pictures somewhere on a, on a hard drive. <laughs> I, you know, if you do, I'd love to see them because I have none. And okay. all I remember from being there is just like mm-hmm. the nerves of like having to be up on stage and address a crowd <laughs> of 600 people and just being mm-hmm. like oh my it's like that like you like me you really like me kind of feeling <laughs> it was really strange mm-hmm. now i'm used yeah, to but, it yeah but i mean it's funny too because i was going through several batches of photos from Blobfests over the years and I know I have at least one year from you in a costume contest mm. as the master from yes. Manos. And I, I seem to recall you had some uh, a mustache malfunction at one point. Yes. So there were a couple things that <laughs> malfunctioned during that. So I was the master and my, my friend Sean was Torgo. And God bless mm-hmm. him, we shoved like six like bath towels into his pants to like give him the torgo legs <laughs> keep in mind it's like a hundred degrees in the shade on this day so uh-huh. we're we're both wearing these heavy uncomfortable uh costumes and i had grown my mustache thinking this will be enough 
um, not realizing that five days isn't really enough to grow like a satisfactory <laughs> mustache. So I bought one of those like adhesive ones from like a costume store in town. Mm-hmm. And when I went up on stage and delivered some line from the movie, the mustache projected off my upper lip, twirled around in the air for a little bit. And I like caught it and like put it back on, but I had to like act like, oh, you know, that was all part of the plan. You saw nothing. When in actuality, we did not think that was going to happen at all. <laughs> so, but it's, you know, I'm really happy it did actually, because it was a really funny moment. Yeah. And I believe one of the judges that year was your future boss. Mr. Yes, he was. <laughs> yeah. And it was funny Is- because I had just finished, like the year before, had just finished his um, movie riffing workshop that he was doing at my college. So mm-hmm. when he was, were, yeah. Were you part of the uh, the final when they performed on the stage at Phoenixville? Yes. So my I have, group was, I have a poster of that somewhere because I was at that show. Oh, very cool. I, I'm yes. so, <laughs> I love that show. That was one of the most fun mm-hmm. days of my life. And yeah, my group was the Aquanauts. And um, okay. it was uh, myself, Seth, and Mary Robinson, who both also went on to work on a uh, MST and then another uh, friend of ours, Kaylee, who was uh, another person who was at the um, the workshop with us. And um, I got, it was so funny because like I had been going to Blobfest so long before that show. Mm-hmm. So to like have this thing that I was really proud to work on coming to the Colonial where like, like, you know, I went like almost every week to like worship um, was like, it was like full circle. I was like, it's not, it's never going to get better than this. And here we are. Yes. Um, I was going to say, was, was it, is it a direct line from Joel's workshop to your job at the show? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It was so the, the workshop itself was in, I want to say like the spring of 2012 and we did a show at we did a show at Bucks. Then we followed it up with a show at the Colonial Theater. And after that, I didn't hear from Joel. I didn't really. I kept in contact with my group from the riffing class, but didn't really hear from Joel at all. And then fast forward to about like early 2013 or so, and my phone rings and it's Joel Hobson, and I'm like, holy crap! Like, gotta answer that. <laughs> and uh, we're catching up, and you know he's. I just got a new job and he's asked me how everything's going. And then somewhere along the line, he just kind of like drops the tidbit, like, yeah, we're thinking about bringing the show back. And I wanted to know if you wanted to work on it. And like, you know, <laughs> like when people mention like a life changing call, like that was it for mm-hmm. me. Like from that point on, it was pretty much understood. Like, yeah, we're going to be doing, you know, eventually in the future, we're going to be doing mystery science theater again. And, um, you know, Seth, as I mentioned, he uh, eventually uh, became my co-worker at Alterniversal, where we make the show. Um, mm-hmm. He's since gone on to other projects. And Mary, who remains a uh, a writer for the show, um, we all just kind of like, I guess we did a good enough job that um, Joel asked us to come on. It was, it was really weird because I just remember being so nervous. I did not think... I did a good enough job to one day be asked to work on the revival of the show was so weird to me. Still is. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, were you being brought in just as a writer or um, like a lower level producer or what have you? Yeah. I mean, at the time, 
the writing was a big part of it. I mean, at the time, mm-hmm. we were kind of helping like Joel with like brainstorming, helping come up with like new ideas for the characters, the setting of the show, etc. And we all understood that writing would be a part of it. What we didn't understand was that Joel also had like other things in mind for us. So when I first uh, when I first got the job, yes, I was a writer, but I was also what we called internally, I was called the silhouette plotter. And what that meant was I would bring our movies into After Effects and I would have very rudimentary like After Effects puppets of our characters. Because I, I don't know if you remember, but during the Netflix seasons, Tom would fly around, Crow yeah. would walk around, he would like interact with the screen. And we needed to basically have an animatic of that to show the puppeteers like this has to happen at this point and it's got to be like this one you know fluid movement so my job my full-time job was primarily doing all those animations and um you know it's since evolved we don't do like the visual gags like that anymore so the silhouette plotting uh role has kind of just like evaporated but um, yeah, that was sort of like where I started was like, you know, we joked that I was like the low end of the totem pole, but, you know, everybody's job was so important on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in a way, though, you've you've directed a couple of episodes of um, the most recent season, if I'm recalling correctly. Right? The season finale. Yeah. 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 So so that feels almost like an evolution to that directorial directorial post there for you in terms of that type of responsibility. And I was wondering, you know, it's one locked down camera. Mm-hmm. How do you direct uh, that scene? It's a, and with all these comics coming in who have all these great ideas already. Is it? It's a great question. Or is it a little or? <laughs> it's, um, it's not too dissimilar from what I do during our live events. It's a lot like herding cats. And more <laughs> often than not, yes, it is a lockdown shot. So visually, mm-hmm. there's not too much room to like play around in but that's just the visual nature of the show so a lot of times it's sort of working with the actors on like you know for instance like i know the script or i have a copy of the script i know it well in advance and i may have an idea of like how i think a line needs to land and maybe they're doing it a little differently than what i anticipated and it's partially one working with them to make sure like oh we need to emphasize like this word for the joke to work we need like you know maybe shorten this gap a little bit so we get to the punchline sooner a lot of it is working on timing and delivery but also a fair amount of it is just kind of making sure like you know we shot all on green screen last season so a lot of it is making sure like okay if we have a shot with all three of the test subjects together is Jonah not getting cut off because he's so tall? Is Emily not like drowning underneath the desk? Do we need her on apple crates? Like it's a mm-hmm. lot of decision-making, um, but it's also a lot of collaborating. Like Joel is also a director. Jonah is a great director. And I learned a lot from working with them as well as Tim Ryder. And um, anytime I needed to just like discuss an idea, I could go to any one of them. And they would give me their thoughts. And it was all just a collaborative process, which I think was really, truly the best way to make something. Okay. Well, I know that, you know, we're in the middle of the fundraiser for season 14. Um, so I appreciate mm-hmm. you finding the uh, time, <laughs> the time to uh, talk to of course. talk with us for a little. Um, so this is, this would be your third fundraiser then, 
we did, you know, for the first season of Netflix. That's correct. Yeah. And then uh, season 13 and, and now 14. Um, what about yeah. the process of preparing for a fundraiser and trying to energize the fan base has remained the same and what's changed about the whole thing? Well, the big change is that this fundraiser is not on Kickstarter. We've partnered with a site called Crowdfunder, which um, is kind of like a white label service. It allows us to host the campaign on our site. Um, that's the biggest difference. Um, the other big difference was that when we launched the campaign, the Actors Guild was still on strike. Um, so there was this whole, you know, fear of like, oh my gosh, the, um, <clears throat> pardon me, the actors can't promote the show. Um what do we do? We kind of were very reliant, you know, very reliant on the fan base to kind of like help spread the word. Now, thankfully, the SAG after strike is is over. Um, but you know, there's still like there's still some challenges. It's always an uphill battle. And if there's one thing I've learned from you know crowdfunding campaigns is that they are unpredictable. Like, honest to goodness, if you had asked me during the last campaign how many episodes I thought we would have made. I would have said like seven or eight. We ended up making 13. So mm -hmm. we can never tell really. Like even at this state in the, in the campaign, like where we, I think like, as of right now, I think we have like 13 or 14 days left. It's, mm -hmm. we still just have no idea where it's going to end up. So it's like, it's the most agonizing part of the job, <laughs> but it's also pretty exciting to like just keep looking and be like oh my gosh like what are we going to do today <laughs> well you've already announced a couple of uh, planned films for next season mm -hmm. uh, that'll be on the stars uh, which and I have to kind of ask this was that chosen because it's a sci-fi remake of Seven Samurai and um, <laughs> Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon is also a sci-fi remake of um, oh Seven God, Samurai yeah. just without well, you know it's boobies on spaceships uh, exactly yes <laughs> so battle beyond the stars is so funny to me because mm. in seasons 12 and 13 joel and i both considered it and for whatever reason we kept saying like no let's like we gotta save this it's not it's not time yet and honest like one of the things i see the most one of the most requested movies i see online from fans is when are they gonna riff battle beyond the stars and so it just seemed to me like right now, like, you know, let's just do it. You know, I think, I think mm -hmm. we've hopefully reached a point with the fan base that we've shown, like, you know, hopefully we know what we're doing and um, <laughs> we can, we can take this on. And what, what Joel and I loved the most about it was, I mean, yes, the, the seven samurai remake is valid. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I love, the, one of the main kind of movies I love showing on MST is just when a movie so blatantly rips off, a, an enormous Hollywood franchise. And there's so much Star Wars in Battle Beyond the Stars. Oh. Mm -hmm. And like, you just can't, you can't let that go. It's just like, obviously this came out at a time and, you know, the, the filmmakers probably thought like, oh, everybody's doing it. Like, you know, like they did Star Wars, Disney's doing Black Hole, let's do whatever, Battle Beyond the Stars. Um, but I, the thing that's also noteworthy about it, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it's James Horner's first score, if I'm not mistaken. I believe you're correct on that. Yeah, off the it's, top of my It's definitely an uh, early one, and I, and mm -hmm. James Cameron worked on this movie. Like, there's he built models for it. Yeah, yeah. So there, there's talent behind it. It's not a it's not a poorly made movie. 
it's just very blatantly a Star Wars ripoff and a remake of Seven <laughs> Samurai. But, well, yeah. Well, you know, I'm old enough to have lived through that whole '80s sci-fi cycle, and yeah, <laughs> everything was a blatant ripoff of Star Wars. Yeah. So. Yeah. Or ET. So like Explorers oh, especially ET. Mac and me, which mm-hmm. you guys did, which was wonderful. Oh, thank um, you. I'm very proud of that one. <laughs> Have you guys, like, either you or Joel, like, suggested a movie and some of the writers have pushed back on it saying, oh, come on, no, this one's actually a legitimate classic. I don't feel comfy goofing um, on it. Uh, there was a little bit of that last season, actually. When we uh, got the rights to Dr. Mordred, um, one of our writers, Devon Coleman, basically said, like, guys, I've rented this movie from Blockbuster I don't know how many times. Like, I don't think I can riff on this one. <laughs> And I, I love that episode. I think it's a great one. But mm-hmm. and I saw a couple of people online going like, Dr. Mordred's too good. Like, why are you why are you riffing Dr. Mordred? Now I will say it's the most competently made movie we've done on, on the show. <laughs> um it's not that good of a movie though. So I think it I think it holds up mm-hmm. to the riffing, I think. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. <laughs> Flipping back to the um the uh fundraiser here um you know i was looking through a few things i saw that um and you would even mention it in the the wording that you're not doing as many um rewards this time around Mm -hmm. i mean you did you know pandemic kind of you know hosed you guys a little bit on fulfilling all that stuff was that part of the the reason why you're just like you know what maybe we bit off more than we could chew or yeah that was a big part of it and we also wanted to be sensitive to the fact that you know so many of the the rewards went out late and so many of them, you know, just like, it was just a, an unfortunate like circumstance what went on with last campaign's rewards. And, you know, I, I do appreciate the, the backers and the fan base that were patient enough. I totally understand why people were angry with us. Like it's understandable. Um, but we kind of learned from that and, kind of decided like you know the last time the last campaign was a big one because not only were we doing a third season but we were launching the gizmoplex which is our our custom like streaming service for the show and now this time it's kind of like well we we did a lot of the heavy lifting this one's not as grandiose we don't have to really like you know balloon the fact that we're making something other than new episodes so what what have we learned from that? And can we scale it back a little bit so it's more a bit more manageable? And mm-hmm. um, hopefully, you know, hopefully that things go a lot smoother this time. We do have a new partner um, for uh, our rewards that will not be the same as the last one. So um, I feel, and I think the rest of the team feels that uh, we're pretty confident that hopefully this time around the rewards get out at a much more reasonable pace. Yeah, um, I know. I know for me, I've you know done a couple of kickstarters for various things, so I was just kind of like, when it gets here, it gets here. These guys, <laughs> I can really trust. It's not you know I appreciate some of these other things I may have donated to that I never saw the comic. Yeah, I I've backed campaigns. I don't know how many years ago, like some 10 years ago, and I've never seen the rewards. So I get mm-hmm. it. I, like I said, I understand where some people are coming from, but I also understand like the behind the scenes thing of like, sometimes things get in the way, you know, the last campaign we did, there wasn't a global pandemic. Um, there were no supply chain issues. 
Um, but also, again, some campaigns don't even send out the stuff. So at least we made, at least we followed through on it. <laughs> yep. Yep. And hey, you know, we got the Gizmoplex. We got 13 yeah. episodes, a bunch of new shorts. Um, and um, I did want to, who came up with the, um, I'm going to get this name wrong, aren't I? Uh, the supersizing the episodes or the, um, not supersizing, but. Um, oh, surgically the, enhancing. Surgically enhanced. Yeah. I knew it was Oh, in yeah. It. That's. That's a boy. You know what? I wish I could remember where that started, but um, it's it's long been something Joel's talked about because the original shows, visually speaking, compared to where the show is now, um, it's night and day. I mean, like if you look, look at the silhouettes, even in like season eight, they're still a little pixely and obviously very like standard definition, and so. Mm -hmm when we found a partner who would help us basically with uprising the episodes, um, we kind of jumped at the chance because we also felt like one, not only does it help the episodes look a little better, but it helps the Gizmoplex a bit too, because then you're not just watching a classic episode. You're kind of like revisiting it in a new form. And for people who, who may not know what the, what we mean by surgically enhanced, we're not, uh, we're not George Lucasing the show. We're not adding anything to it. <laughs> we're not adding riffs. We're not adding sketches. We're not taking anything away. Really what it is, is we're taking the original shows, which at their highest quality were like 540p and mm. having them up to 1080p so that they're now in high definition. And um, if you go to the Gizmoplex, um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken... The Puma Man is up there, surgically enhanced, and you can compare it to the original episode. The movie is uh, easier to look at. It's much clearer. The colors are sharper. Uh, the shadows are darker. It's just an overall, just like, just easier time watching the movie. Yeah. To to be honest, I was a little skeptical about the idea, maybe mm -hmm. because I've seen like other TV shows that have kind of like been adapted for high def, and then suddenly you're, you're in a situation with like. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where they just open up the mat from yeah. the, the original film, and you're seeing the film crew on the side of the shot. And yeah, like that. yeah. So I was like, okay, I, I know that's not what they're doing here. They're just doing a simple yeah. up-res. And then when you guys debuted Puma Man, I was sitting here watching it going, holy shit, this looks really sharp. I, I This is a much better picture in terms of just being able to distinguish a lot of that night action that's in the movie. Mm -hmm. And, oh yeah, and I was like, "Oh, I can actually see what's going on here." Oh, that's that's good. Yeah. That helped the movie, I guess. <laughs> and I'm I'm happy to hear that because, like, you know, with the old shows, like, you know, they were dealing with movies that were on VHS. They shot the show on videotape, and it's like what sixty frames per second or something like that. So, you know, at the time, it worked for what they were doing. By today's standards, it's obviously just a little. I don't know if you know low budget is the right term but like it just it just looks different you know so yeah. by today's standards we just wanted to sort of help the original show sort of at least look kind of sympathetic to what we're doing now and uh we did surgically enhance a couple other episodes that debuted during last year's turkey day marathon um and that's another thing that we're hoping to do with the campaign is for every uh episode we make we also want to have like three surgically enhanced titles to release as well. So if we were to do six new episodes, we'd love to 
surgically enhance 18 classics and get them out to mm -hmm. people. Well, speaking of Turkey Day, that's coming up next weekend, and you're hosting it this year. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, it's so funny. This is another one of those, like, weird trajectory stories that I'm, it, it just kind of blows my mind. So the first year we brought back Turkey Day was 2013, and I remember Joel reaching out to myself and Seth and everything, asking us to help write the interstitials. And right then and there, I was like, oh, my God, I get to work on a Turkey Day marathon? Like, sign me up. Like, again, I thought that was like the peak of my career at that point. Um, and then I remember getting this, might have been an email, I don't remember. But some message from Joel saying like, hey, uh, I need you to come to Seth's house on this day. I need to show you guys how to work the bots. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> work like the, like the bots, <laughs> the bots. And for anybody who, who remembers that Turkey day or may not at the very end of the Turkey day marathon, it ends with Joel going to sit down at the dinner table and Tom and crow come out to sit with him. And then that's how we fade mm -hmm. to black. So uh, Seth got to operate crow and I got to operate Tom servo. And again, I'm on cloud nine. I'm like, I'm Tom Servo. Like, I get, I get to be Tom Servo. <laughs> and again, I'm thinking, this is it. I This is, I plateaued. Doesn't get better than this. Now I'm hosting the marathon this year. And um, it's so crazy to think about that. But yeah, I will be introducing the 24 movies in our 48-hour marathon. It is our longest Turkey Day marathon yet. All on the Gizmoplex. Um, mm -hmm. Is is that going to be a um, free, or do people need to pass for that? So um, I know currently with the Turkey Day Marathon, I believe, and I'd hate to get this wrong, so I'm going based on speculation. I believe it is free for anybody with an account. However, if you don't have a Gizmoplex account, if you can't get one for whatever reason. It will be on um, if you have Pluto TV or any of those services that have the 24-7 MST3K channel. Um, it will also be playing on those MST channels as well. Um, the difference between those channels and the Gizmoplex is that um, it's very likely the Gizmoplex probably won't have ads, um, whereas Pluto TV will. Um, but it all comes down to preference. Okay. And I hope I didn't um, say anything wrong about that because if people go into the Gizmoplex and see ads, it's not my fault. So. <laughs> All right. Um, now, this is probably just, you probably landed this hosting gig just because you've been so good at hosting all the uh, the other events on the Gizmoplex, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the game nights, um, mm -hmm. the Q&As after premieres and stuff like that. Um, and And watching all of that stuff as it was rolling out, um, I really got the idea that a lot of the writers are just movie nerds as well as being good comedy writers. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, my God, can, yeah. Can you write for this show if you're not a movie nerd, though? Or is, or do the two have to kind of go hand in hand on that? It helps. I'll say that much. Um, what helps so much about it is a lot of our writers are movie nerds. And some of the ones that aren't specifically movie nerds are nerds about something else. Like Jonah and I love horror movies. So 
pretty fair to say a good amount of horror references might come from Jonah or myself. Um, Rebecca Hansen, for instance, loves like Drag Race and HGTV. And so might throw in references to that kind of stuff that we might not get to. And Joel, of course, is a nerd about like magic and things like that. So it's a wide spectrum of nerdiness. And I think it just helps make the show that much more fun because you truly never know what kind of reference you're you're going to get. I mean, I actually just this weekend rewatched um, Gamera versus Jiger with a friend of mine who hadn't seen it. And we had references to like, I mean, they, they ran again. We had a reference to Frank Henenlotter. Uh, we had a reference to, um, oh my God, I'm like totally gapping on some of them, but it was just all over the map. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Yellow Submarine, obviously, because there was a Yellow Submarine in the movie. Um, so it was just all kinds of things, but it just, I think it, it kind of is uh, the way the old show was too, except yeah. a lot of the, the original show's references were a lot more obscure. <laughs> We tend to we tend to skew for a more like well known uh, reference if we can, but you know it, what, what's the discussion? Is they're always like we have two jokes here. One is um, you know referencing um, a pop music star of now, and the other is referencing Bix Vitebeck, uh, you know, or some right. trumpet player from the thirties. You know? Yes. What, what's what's the decision making uh, process that I'm like? What do we go with? Yeah, it happens. I mean, like. The, a lot of the times the decision process is like whoever is reviewing the, the riffs just kind of like, you know, like for instance, like I'll get the riff script after the writers have, have finished it. And my role as riff supervisor on the last season basically meant that I went through every script, every line, make sure the timing was right, uh, make sure the jokes fit in the spaces they were supposed to. And I know the writers had already done that work, but sometimes there needed to be some fine tuning or sometimes, you know, there were spots where it seemed like, oh, we could have like one or two jokes here, or maybe we have to take a joke away. But when it comes to references, all that I'm looking for is, did it make me laugh? Um, did I necessarily get it? Maybe not. But like, okay, I know this line is from Futurama. I might not have, I might not remember the episode it's from, but it's a funny line. So I'll keep it in because I know somebody could probably do a good Bender impression, like stuff like that. So (laughs) a lot of the times I'm just looking to see like, do I think it's, is it funny to me? Is it funny to anybody else on our crew? And maybe that's enough. If it, if it makes a couple people laugh, then maybe it should go into the show. Okay. And with you hosting uh, Turkey Day, are there any uh, surprises we should be looking forward to in the the next couple of uh, weeks? Oh my there are two surprises. Um, one that I am, well, two that I am want to really say. I will say, uh, all I will say is that two previously unavailable episodes are back, and you will have to tune in to the marathon to find out which two they are. Um, wow. <laughs> Already, I'm yeah. speculating in my head, and I'm not going to say anything till we until I hit <laughs> off on the on the recording part. <laughs> Smart. Smart. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, we have 24 movies, 48 hours. We're really just throwing a lot of episodes in here. A lot of them were picked by our writers on the show. Uh, some of them are surgically enhanced titles. We're throwing in a couple of season 13 titles um, in case anybody still hasn't seen those. Um, the whole point of our uh, marathon this year, we're calling it the 
mega turkey day marathon telethon and we're basically <laughs> counting down the last 48 hours of the campaign with this mm -hmm. marathon so so many people watch turkey day we figured well if they haven't seen an emily episode let's put a couple in there so that if they like what they see they'll go to the crowdfunder page and you know hopefully help us out mm -hmm. um but mixing the old with the new i think is also good because we represent every host this way we've got joel mike jonah and emily and um i think it helps to kind of unify the show a little bit more because i still feel like there might be some pe people out there who might consider it like the new show is a separate entity perhaps or like maybe maybe they might not even think they're on par with the classic shows but if they see an episode they might have previously written off and like oh wow this is funnier than i thought then that's all we could ask for well i've always viewed the show as a bit of a continuum anyways i mean there yeah. is a little bit of continuity and i know i should really just relax but <laughs> but i'm also as a as a writer myself i'm always about world building and stuff like that so i always appreciate those things in the last couple of mm -hmm. seasons you've had storylines arc through a little you know very lightly to the right. end um which is always fun to me well and a lot of that i mean the the reason we started doing that mostly was because when we were on netflix all the episodes dropped at once and so it was very likely people were just going to watch them in order um so we thought well if people are going to sit here and binge the show or whatever there should be some kind of like payoff at the end of it there should be like some kind of a through line and mm -hmm. uh we just kind of kept that going and it's it's fun to like explore this world and grow it out a bit and just keep you know keep adding to the world of the show mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I'm, some of us may have taken the day off from work to watch the first several. Uh, when that dropped <laughs> um, no, I, me too. <laughs> that's, one that, uh, that's the one thing about um, the Netflix era. You know, in the opening, you suddenly have that wide open space with where Jonah after Jonah lands in the theme, still in the theme song, and you know he walks through, and you have the boneheads, you have all sorts of stuff going on. I was like, wow, this is some scope. And then boom, yeah. we're back to, <laughs> to to the control room and the theater, and that's about it. You know, it, it immediately yeah. like opened up, and then we boom, right back down. Yeah, I mean, part of that was you know we really wanted to make a big deal of the fact that we were on Netflix, and mm -hmm. you know King's whole mo is to blow up the brand and make it a billion dollar enterprise, but you know at its core it's a puppet show about talking over movies we don't want to make it too big you know yeah. we don't we don't want to go the the like late 90s lost in space route and make this enormous robot that'll blow up and <laughs> you know be in the theater riffing and it's like seven feet tall and having all kinds of like weird cgi effects and stuff but uh you know we we want to keep it as simple as we can and even though the netflix show did have a bigger scope we didn't want it to feel too different from what came before it. All right. Well, uh, if people are looking to check that out, they can go to uh, mst3k.com or gizmoplex.com on um, Wednesday and Thursday, or is it Thursday and Friday? It is Thursday and Friday, and I believe, okay. if my math is correct, yeah, Thursday, Friday, and it'll end very early on Saturday morning. Okay, so there's your uh, weekend plans, uh, Thanksgiving Day plans if you hate football. Uh, <laughs> you can always check out the uh, the or if you love it and the game's not going well. 
Yeah, yes, very true. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can check out the fundraiser at showmaker.mst3k.com. Um, Matt, always a pleasure chatting with you. Um, yeah, this glad... was fun. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Wow, that was a lot of fun, Rich. Well, I, didn't, I didn't even know that was actually... Yeah. Okay. I'm, so so now maybe you see why I watch movies on Turkey Day. Uh, oh, no, and, I completely yeah. get it. Let's thank um, Matt for uh, finding the time. I know yes, they're in the midst... Yes, thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. They are it. in the midst of the uh, fundraiser for the new season, Woo! as we talked about. He's in the midst of getting ready for all of that. He has a lot to do, and he found some time this evening, and it's great, and I will probably buy him a beer at Blobfest next <laughs> next July. I hope I finally get a chance to meet him and, and go down to Blobfest yes. one of these days. I've been meaning to for years, and it's just always one of those things that it the clashes yeah. up against something else, I and I just we, can't we, make it. We are going to figure that out. Even if it's just one day, mm -hmm. it, I feel like I'm overdue. Yes. Uh, so, Matt, if you're around, um, uh, you're getting a big fucking hug from me. <laughs> you won't know who I am. Just some rando coming up and hugging you. Don't punch me. Uh, <laughs> oh, he would never do that. He is a, he's a consummate gentleman. Oh, and, awesome. And just a really nice guy, too. So and, I'm, I'm and Rich will be at my him. side, so that should give me a pass. <laughs> well, I don't know about <laughs> that. But, uh, <laughs> but anyways, yes. Yeah, so if, again, if you're an MST3K fan, you haven't uh, donated to the uh, fundraiser for the new season. Go do that. Head over to uh, gizmoplex.com. Click on the links. Some great backer bonuses for uh, kicking in some money. And let's face it. They've been knocking it out of the park last couple of seasons where they've had to do these fundraisers before. So what better way to really just give your money right to the the artists, the funny men and women who are making this show for you rather than, you know, have Netflix take a slice out of it? Nah. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. no. The, <laughs> this is a great model. It works for them. They, you know, it's it's great. It's great fan interaction. And, um, and they really do appreciate their fans. Oh, gosh, yes. Very much so. But speaking of violence. <laughs> oh, what? Which we weren't, but okay. I said that he might take a hit at me, but. Uh, wow, that's a. <laughs> don't do that, Matt. I love you. <laughs> um, but no, speaking of violence. Yikes. And that's how we lead into what we're talking about next week, <laughs> which is yes. the. It's the 40th? Uh, yeah, 40th yeah. anniversary of Scarface of the Brian De Palma classic. Yes. yes. And uh, not the Howard Hawks. No. Which is also really good if you have a and chance. Well worth checking out. Yes. Do Great that. script by Ben Hecht. In fact, if you have a chance, see them both. But if you want to be up to speed for our discussion next week, uh, we would recommend the De Palma one over the next seven days or so. Mm -hmm. um, it just had a, a Fathom event, which I caught. I had dirty secret time here. I had not seen. Scarface until yesterday. Okay, so and it was amazing <laughs> to see it on a big screen. Like so that. if you're we're secret telling, I've never seen it either. Okay, so, so you've got a week, gotta you've got a week to. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel bad because about a month ago I attended an '80s party dressed as Elvira Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had about 24 hours to pull something together, so I just reached mm -hmm. into my closet and grabbed a blonde wig and. And I was just like, okay, it's 83. That counts. Yeah. <laughs> and um, 
And I but, felt horrible because I'd never seen it. And I hate it when it's a pet peeve when people that I know make references to movies they've never fucking seen. So I was kicking myself the entire uh, and I had, never, <laughs> I had never seen it because it came out when I was 12. My parents weren't going to take me to the movie theater for this one. Uh, you know, here's the R-rated movie with uh, all the drugs and violence. Sure, mm. we'll take the we'll take our you know preteen to that. Every time I think of Scarface, though, I go back to our first Bonham auction, TCM auction, mm-hmm. and as we were walking around the one off room where they had most of like the posters and some of the props and those wonderful Joseph A. Mankiewicz journals. Oh gosh, I know. Oh, love to have those. In one of the cases was the golden Coke spoon. Yes. From Scarface. Yes, I remember right. for some reason that particular object has always stuck in my head. <laughs> and that auction was what, six years ago? About, yeah. 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 Holy crap. Th- and those were those were right around Thanksgiving weekend too. Because we would go up on Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend and don't hurt. TCM TCM changed all that up, unfortunately. I know. Don't I miss that. Please don't hurt me. I still wish that I had had just the spare chunk of change to throw down on that double indemnity poster. I know. That was beautiful. And they also had Rosemary Clooney's pajamas from White Christmas. <laughs> I got to touch them. Hey, I... You I, were I, thinking I, about that cow, <laughs> that Batman cow. <laughs> yeah, there was a Batman cow, and there was also the... Uh, Robbie one, the Robot? <laughs> no, the... Well, <laughs> yes. I Hey, I was just in the same room with the, with Robbie the Robot, and that's all I cared about. That was good enough. I got some pictures. And, I thought you were um, going to cry all over it. It's uh, Forbidden Planet's one of those Keystone films for me. I've still never um, seen it. Oh, I know. We're gonna have we're gonna fix that at some point. And um, one of the other things that really stuck out, I don't know why this did, but it did. The Salvador Dali Raquel Walsh portrait of Raquel Walsh. Oh yeah, you remember that, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, there was some Marx Brothers stuff. The mm-hmm. the Harpo as Blue Boy painting. That beautiful. Um, um oh, it wasn't even a poster. It was more like a a sheet, like a massive sheet from The Passion of Joan of Arc. Yo, yeah. Wasn't that gorgeous? Oh. And uh I missed some of the, some of the props uh from Casablanca. Oh, yes. Yeah, we we could go on we could actually probably oh recite half this auction catalog from memory from but being there. I think I only went to one or No, I only went to that one. Oh, that's right. I I did I like didn't three I didn't of them? I didn't get to that last one. Mm. TCM, bring it back to New York City, <laughs> please. Ah, uh. uh, yes, that was that was a great fall trip. Yes, it was. Anyways, but on that note, though, I think that's going to wrap us up for this week. Remember, you can find us online at bigpicturepod.com, and we are now available on iTunes and Google Play. So either use the link in the show notes post or head directly there, search and hit subscribe. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave a positive review because that helps us find new listeners. And once again, next week we'll be back with our retro review of Scarface. Say hello to my little friend. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all right here on the Big Picture Podcast. Satellites gone up to the skies. Things like that drive me out of my mind. Watched it for a little while I like to watch things on TV